Good Friday is one of those incredibly special days on the Christian calendar. Outside of Easter and Christmas, there's really no other days where the country and many parts of the world pause to reflect on the life and the incredible ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. The significance of this day may be lost on some, but the mere fact that there's still a public holiday on this day is an underlying reminder of the incredible work and life and ministry of Jesus Christ and what was achieved on the cross. Now, even though we can't be physically present this Good Friday, I find it amazing to think of households all around the country who are meeting together as families or staying and spending time together as families, sitting alongside each other, pausing and reflecting on what Jesus Christ achieved on the cross, reflecting on that moment when Jesus surrendered his life so that we might be granted a new and eternal life and a restored relationship with God. As we remind ourselves of that truth this morning, I want to stick with the Gospel of John because that's the Gospel that's been occupying so much of our time and our headspace over the last 12 months. But what we're going to do is to jump ahead a little and to get a bit of an advanced screening of the moment where Jesus gives his life on the cross, the moment which we remember on Good Friday. And we find this account in John chapter 19. But rather than work through the whole chapter this Good Friday, what we're going to do is I want to zoom right in at the point of Jesus' death. And in particular, the final words that he gives to us when just before he gave up his life. The words, it is finished. And as we hit those words in John chapter 19, there's two things that we're going to reflect on. The first is, well, what did he mean? What did he mean by the words, it is finished? And the second thing we're going to consider is why does it matter? Why do the words, it is finished, matter so much to you and to me here and now in today's world? What did he mean and why do those words matter? But before exploring any of those things, let's pause to pray for a moment on this incredibly special morning and ask God to be present here and in your households as we reflect on the death of Jesus Christ. Dear God, we thank you uh, that you are a God who loved us so much that you sent your one and only son to die on a cross for our sake. And Lord, we thank you for these final words which were given in the Gospel of John, the reminder that it is finished. What you achieved on the cross was complete. It was finished. It was for our sake, but for your glory. Lord, we thank you for what you achieved on the cross through Jesus. We thank you for the chance to reflect on that this morning. We pray that you'll be present and you'll speak to us in a very real way. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, it's helpful to have a bit of context around Jesus' final words, and it's Good Friday after all. So let's take the time to read some of the narrative that surrounded Jesus' death on the cross as it's recounted to us in John chapter 19, verses 16 through to verse 30. So that passage is going to be read for you now. So if you have your Bible, could you open it please to John chapter 19, verses 16 to 30. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. 
It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The death of a person is a really sacred space. And to the extent you've had the opportunity to share a final moment with a person as they reach that point in their life, I think those final words and those fi that final conversation is something which sticks with you forever. They are significant words because you know that they come from the heart. They're significant words because you know they're something that the person really wanted you to remember. With Jesus, the time of his death was no less a sacred space. And his words were similarly intended to be taken to heart and to be remembered by us forever. We're told in verse 25 that his mother Mary and his sister and Mary Magdalene are all standing nearby at the cross at this moment, alongside the one who was referred to as the disciple whom he loved, which is most likely the author of this gospel, John himself. You can only try and imagine the emotions that would have been going through their mind and their heart at that time as they saw Jesus brutally beaten, and then nailed to the cross alongside two criminals to his right and to his left. Nailed to that cross really just for speaking the truth, the truth that he was the one and only Son of God, the truth that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that the only way to the Father was through him. But as John said all the way back in the first chapter of his gospel, he said, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The world rejected him. It pushed him aside. 
it crucified him. And now his family and friends are forced to stand by and witness those events and see him crucified before their own eyes. I think we need to make sure that we take in the significance of that moment and we try to place ourselves in that scene at that time. The events of Good Friday, they're not a story. They record for us a true moment in history involving true people, involving real and no doubt very raw emotions, involving a real saviour and a real death. It's not just a well-known Bible story, it is truth. And we can't allow the enormity and the confronting reality of this moment pass us by as the body of the Son of God was genuinely broken and his blood was absolutely shed for our sake and not his own. And with that scene having been said, in verse 28, it's interesting because the author of this gospel doesn't start with what Jesus then said. He actually starts with what Jesus knew. It says later, knowing that everything had now been finished. Jesus would have known that the time of his death was imminent. But people don't ordinarily associate their physical death with something that's being finished or something being completed. Jesus had in mind instead a bigger work here. There was a bigger work that he had in mind when he said or knew that something had been completed and something had been finished once and for all. But Jesus doesn't just know that something is completed. We're told that scripture itself points to something being completed. As it says in the rest of verse 28, it says, so that scripture would be fulfilled. We're told that scripture itself pointed to this moment. It says, Jesus said, I am thirsty. He's given wine vinegar to drink in fulfillment of a messianic psalm in Psalm 69 verse 21, where it says, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. So now it's not just a matter of, of Jesus knowing that something is being completed. There is also a sense that scripture itself is pointing to a fulfillment here or, or something else being completed here as well. And so immediately before that moment then, when he bows down, it tells us that he gave up his spirit. He says these final words in verse 30, it is finished. If you're anything like me, you're left thinking, what? What is finished? What is completed? What does Jesus know is being completed? What is scripture pointing to as being fulfilled? What is Jesus now saying is finished in his final moment on that cross? Well, the key to understanding what Jesus is saying by the words, it is finished, I think, is actually to go back to the original text and to look at the Greek word that's used here, the Greek word tetelestai. From that one word, we get all three English words, it is finished. That's maybe the reason some commentators have said it's described as having an ocean of meaning in just a drop of language. This word was actually a form of accounting term that was used to describe something as having been paid in full. It was written in, on business documents or receipts in New Testament times to indicate that a bill or a debt had been paid in full, had been completely satisfied. There was nothing else owing in respect of that matter. It was finished. 
And doesn't that language of a debt in some ways resonate even more powerfully with us in light of our current circumstances? Times when jobs are being lost, when salaries are being reduced, when rents and mortgages are feeling that little bit harder to pay, when job security is feeling more fragile than it may have ever before. Debt can easily start to feel insurmountable, can't it? Something that is beyond what we have a capacity to pay. And the truth is, our, the spiritual debt of our sin is insurmountable. The debt of our sin was something we could never repay because it required a perfect sacrifice. It required a perfect death. And that perfect death was Jesus through his death on the cross. Our debt at that moment was repaid in full. And as a result, that debt is now finished. It's completed. It is done once and for all for all those who believe in him. I think Paul described this best for us in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 14, when he said, He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. The one who owed God no debt whatsoever took on our indebtedness to him on that cross. So he could then confidently declare in those final moments on the cross that it is paid in full. It is completed. It is done. It is finished. It's a great reminder of our redemption that Jesus has paid the price for our sin. He has paid that debt in full so that we can be set free from, through faith in him. Free to know and live in communion with our living, holy creator God. Free to enjoy life in abundance as he promises in his word and free from the power and the penalty of sin. Praise God that our debt has been paid in full. We stand redeemed because it is finished. These words matter for us for a couple of reasons. They matter for us because they remind us that no sin is beyond the saving work of Jesus Christ. No sin outweighs his sacrifice. None of our shortcomings are so great that they are not overcome and dealt with by the saving work of Jesus Christ. There's no relationship with God that is so broken that it cannot be restored through faith in Jesus. Otherwise, Jesus would never have said the words, it is finished. But he did. And because he did, we now have complete confidence in him that there is full forgiveness through the cross. In the cross, there is unimaginable grace. In him, there is new life. In him, our relationship with God, no matter who we are or what our background may be or what we may have done, our relationship can be restored through faith in Jesus Christ. In him, our debt, no matter how great we may feel it is, our debt has been paid in full. 
no matter how much sin you might feel like you see when you look inside your heart. May Jesus' words speak to you this morning and remind you that the debt of sin is finished through faith in him. The price has been paid. So may we now just lay our lives down at the foot of the cross and praise him. But not only do these words remind us that no sin is beyond the saving work of Jesus Christ. At the same time, they remind us that no sin is dealt with other than through the saving work of Jesus Christ. If we are trying to somehow justify or balance out our sin through our own good works, there is no point. If you are trying to deal with your sin in your own strength, or through your own actions, or through commendable lives, or commendable choices. Those commendable things will never be enough, because the wages of sin is death. And that death was paid through Jesus Christ on the cross. And so the only way that debt will ever be finished, the only way that debt will ever be dealt with, is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not by trying harder, but by surrendering to him not by balancing the bad with the good but by fixing our eyes on jesus christ not by ignoring our sin but by laying it at the foot of the cross and believing in these precious words it is finished if you are listening and you've never taken that step of surrendering your life to jesus i pray that this easter might be the time for you. A time when you pray to God that he would forgive the debt of your sin, that it will be declared finished, done and dealt with. And guess what? When we do that, the Bible says that when we ask for forgiveness, God forgives. He forgives because Jesus has declared that sin finished, done and dealt with through his sacrifice on the cross. Now, if you already identify yourself as a follower of Christ, then I pray this Easter, these words will be an incredible reminder for you of the truth that the work of your salvation is finished. It is done. It is dealt with. The sin, the debt of our sin is repaid in full. There's no more to do. There's nothing that remains undone. There are no conditions or parameters attached. It is finished. We're praying for you this Easter, praying that you have an encouraging time together as a family, as a household, whatever your circumstances are at the moment. And we're looking forward to the amazing day when we're back in this place, worshipping together and praising our Saviour God.